Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Diana Russini in just a moment with the very latest from Las Vegas on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line. <laughs> usually when you say the very latest from Las Vegas, it isn't what we're talking about here. That usually has something to do with gambling. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about whether or not the game between the Buccaneers and the Raiders is going to get played and the extenuating circumstances surrounding it. And coming up in the next 15 minutes or so, I'm going to give some unsolicited advice to the NFL on how they should handle the Raiders. And our friends in Las Vegas aren't going to like what I have to say. I will first remind you that the baseball playoffs all the way up to the World Series Game 3 tonight are on ESPN Radio. Dodgers, Rays, Bueller-Morton is the pitching matchup tonight. Coverage begins 7.30 Eastern tonight here on ESPN Radio. And you can hear every pitch on the ESPN app. You're in your car. You're driving around. You have something you're doing tonight if you want to listen to the game. It should be a really interesting game. goes without saying that the Game 3 in a 1-1 series is critical. Both teams have their best pitching going here. Both teams have their pitching lined up where they want it now and their bullpen's fresh after a day of rest. Two best teams in baseball all year long, best in the American League versus the best in the National League in a best of five for a championship unlike any the sport has ever seen. So if you like baseball, this is pretty good. Stage is set for a pretty good weekend, and we'll see what we get. In the meantime... I said it this morning on Get Up, and I'll say it again. The most important story in the National Football League right now is what is going on in Las Vegas with the Raiders, their offensive line, and their game against Tampa Bay this weekend. This was supposed to be a fascinating game because it's John Gruden against his former team. It has taken on a whole bunch of other significance here, and there are a lot of extenuating circumstances. And no one has been more on top of this than our Diana Russini, who joins me here on the Shell Penzoil Performance Line. So, Diana, for those who've not been following this, catch us up on what has happened and where we are right now relative to the chances of this game being played and the circumstances in which it would be played on Sunday. We'll start with the good news, and that's this morning the Raiders COVID-19 tests all came back clean, which means everyone on the team right now that hasn't tested positive uh, came back testing negative for it. So that's a good first step. Now, the bigger story that led into today was uh, Trent Brown was uh, observed by the NFL and the NFLPA's review uh, of, of not wearing his tracing bracelet, which basically gives us all the information of every person he's interacted with on the Raiders team, players, the staff. And he wasn't wearing it all the time, which is a big issue. Okay, so that's one problem. The second problem is there are several offensive linemen who were seen not wearing their masks. So what the league decided to do is they had, excuse me, the Raiders decided as an organization to have the entire offensive line quarantined over the last few days. Now, Sunday morning, they're going to play this game against the Bucks at 4.05 Eastern. And what they're going to do is they're going to get tested. They're going to get the rapid COVID test to make sure that they test negative. There is a possibility they could test positive for this. And what happens here is the team would then, excuse me, the information would be presented to this committee that the NFL put together along with the NFLPA, an advisory board that would decide whether or not the game should be played. Is there a disadvantage here competitively if the Raiders don't have their offensive line? And from what I can understand, right now that advisory committee doesn't see any issue with this. They believe that the team has roster flexibility because the practice squads have now increased to 16 players. So they kind of look at the way Tennessee dealt with it, New England dealt with it, 
they hardly had any practice time for days before their respective games. So there's a feeling that this game can still be played if they don't have their entire starting offensive line, Greeny. So to be clear, I want to make sure that I'm understanding what you're saying correctly. Roster flexibility means they have a larger practice squad, so they have more offensive linemen that theoretically work for them and practice with them. So even if all five of those offensive linemen are not eligible to play because of the coronavirus, the game could still be played. That is correct. And and the league and the NFLPA looks at it as it is the responsibility of the organization to make sure that all players, personnel are doing everything they can to follow along with the COVID-19 protocol. And this review found that that's not what they were doing. So they do not want to punish the Bucks or perhaps the Raiders even uh, by canceling this game. They want to have this game and ha- make sure this game gets played. Uh, despite the fact that you look at this and it's not very fair, right? They're not going to have their offensive line if they were to test positive for this. But the league feels that that's the responsibility of the Raiders. I'm a thousand percent with the league. In a few minutes, I'm going to offer a couple of ideas on how this could be handled. Let me just ask you, though, um, in the event that, that the, this committee that, that will look at the information and decide whether the game should be played or not, does the possibility of moving the game to Monday or even Tuesday, as we've seen happen in a couple of other instances, is that on the table? And, and I guess under what circumstances could that be on the table? So I think the way this is going to work is that there's new positives before Sunday. I think the league would take a look at it. I think that they would try to see if this is worth moving this game. But based on what they know now, the information they have, which you have to figure they're considering that that entire offensive line could possibly test positive, the sense I'm getting is they don't care. that They are shooting to get this game to be played at 4.05 in Las Vegas, and making sure that there's no rescheduling. There's not a lot of flexibility to the league with this right now because they really believe that this is the fault of Raiders. I'm just looking ahead to the following weekend for whatever it's worth. The Raiders play the following weekend a Sunday 1 o'clock game at Cleveland. The Buccaneers play Monday night at the Giants. Diana Rossini is with me. Outstanding work on this story. Quickly, if if I'm hearing correctly, it sounds to me like you're on your way to the airport to fly to Nashville because you're covering Pittsburgh, Tennessee. Do I have that right? You know, you know I work hard, but I don't work that hard. Okay. I'm actually meeting Cassidy Hubbard for a brunch just okay. to catch up <laughs> on, on, on life. And then I'm headed to the airport. But, yes, I have what I like to think is the biggest game. Uh, it's actually the, probably the biggest game of the, of, of the season that I have covered with two undefeated teams, knowing that both these guys, both these teams, both these sides, uh, you know, have a run game that could really be lift off a lot of fireworks on Sunday. No question. So, so I was going to ask you, what, what do you have your eye most on? To you, what will decide this game between the unbeaten Steelers and unbeaten Titans on Sunday? So if you had asked me this morning, which you did when I saw you, what I was paying attention to, I probably would have highlighted Ryan Tannehill's decision-making and how I think this pass rush is going to try – to really get at the quarterback here. But I was listening to our colleague Ryan Clark on first take, actually, after get up this morning, talk about how he thinks that Derrick Henry is basically going to be shut down uh, by this run defense in Pittsburgh. And I'm, I think all it's doing is going to gas up Derrick Henry even more. He's not a big rah-rah guy, but I know he gets motivated by people doubting him, by people believing that he isn't as good 
as a lot of people believe he is. So uh, I am now going to be focused on, on seeing what Derrick Henry is able to do, knowing that there's some people, some of our colleagues, doubting what he's able to accomplish against the Steelers. That's a game I'm really looking forward to. Give my best to Cass, and I will see you next week. Diana Rossini, thank you very much. I will. Have an awesome weekend. All right, that's Diana Rossini with me, and she's breaking moves. Breaking Moves is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. Build your winning team today. Go to linkedin.com slash sports. All right, Greeny with you on ESPN Radio. Let, let me get to last night's game, and then I am going to set aside a couple of minutes here to offer my thoughts on what Diana is covering there with the Raiders, the way this is being handled, and what needs to be done. Because I think that this is a really important day and a really important weekend for the NFL, and I think they have the opportunity to do something here, and I hope they do. I don't know if they're going to or not, but I hope they do. We will talk about it as, as we go forward. But let me give you a moment or two on last night's game. Eagles beat the Giants. If you didn't watch it last night, it was not an artistic masterpiece, which is about what you would expect from, from two basically two bad teams in a bad division. But in the end, the Giants made a few plays, and then the best player on the field won the game. And that is Carson Wentz, who brought his team back from 11 points down in the fourth quarter with two touchdowns and 12 unanswered points in the final six minutes to win it, including a gorgeous pass. The dime that he throws to the running back, Boston Scott, on what proves to be the game-winning touchdown is one of the really genuinely beautiful plays of the NFL season. An absolutely perfect throw. They wound up going for the two, not getting it, and then missing the kick on the end. So that's why the final score winds up 22-21. They scored 12 points, but it's two touchdowns if you didn't watch it in the final, whatever it was, six minutes or so of the game. If you're the Giants, if you're a Giant fan today, you're, you're finding a wall and you're smashing your head into it because your team is just so close to getting these wins. And in this division, the two games you just let slip away in a three-week span are the difference between being comfortably and alone in first place and being where you are now, which is probably buried in the worst division ever. A couple of weeks ago, the Giants had the Cowboys, I thought, dead to rights on a couple of different fronts, playing them without their quarterback gets horribly and terribly and tragically hurt in the game. And the Giants have not one but two touchdowns called back on really questionable calls. Then last night, and, and our TV crew, Jenny, just showed you the the Daniel Jones play where he runs and he falls all by himself on what should have been an 88-yard touchdown run. And that is, it's, it's make fun of a bull. It's, it's mockable. It is funny, I suppose. But they scored a touchdown on that drive anyway. The play that will keep you up at night is this Evan Ingram play where he doesn't make that catch. It's just unbelievable. And someone on TV with me this morning said, lay out for that ball. He didn't even have to. Just extend your arms. Catch the freaking ball. That's an inexcusable drop for a team that is as desperate as they are, that is playing hard. They're just not good, but they're playing hard for their coach. And I get it. Mistakes happen. This was, this was not a, a malicious error. But, boy, that is a terrible drop, and it's the difference between winning and losing. And so the Giants find themselves out of it in a, in a division where everyone is in it, the Giants are out of it. And the Eagles are the best team because they have the best player. Carson Wentz is by far the best player in the NFC East at this point. From the moment Dak Prescott got hurt, it became Carson Wentz's division. And he showed you last night why people still love him. There are any number of things to question about Carson Wentz. He is definitively not perfect. And the imperfections in his game 
are what keep him from being one of the three or four best quarterbacks in the sport because he has elite talent. When we talk about the elite quarterbacks in the game, and, and let's take the, the older guys out of it, the take away the Brady's and the Roethlisberger's and those guys, Breeze. Let's talk about the young, the great young quarterbacks, younger, you know, the Mahomes and the Watson. Uh, Carson Wentz just has these holes in his game that are the only thing standing between him and being as good as any of them, basically, because he is that good. He has that level of talent, but the mistakes can just make you crazy. And they are what probably stands between him and being a top three quarterback in the NFL, because when he's good, he's as good as anybody. And they'll get some of their guys back. Ertz, Sanders, the offensive line, they got to figure something out. But ultimately, in a, what is a terrible division, I believe they will win it. And I think um, they will actually make someone's day a little bit miserable having to come to Philadelphia in January and play a playoff game on the road against a team that finished something like 6-9-1, and one, maybe 7-8-1. and one. And some team will come in 9-7 and seven off a good season and overlook the Eagles, and, and, and Carson Wentz will give them a hard time. If Wentz plays a good game, those te- that team can play with anybody. So that's, that's the basic takeaway from last night. If you're the Giants, you're endlessly frustrated with the season and the direction that it has gone. If you're the Eagles, I don't know how good you feel. You're the best team in a terrible division, uh, but you have the quarterback, and you have some pieces coming back. The Eagles are the one team in that division I could see still having a season to remember. Greeny is with you, presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive celebrating eight years of donating cars to veterans in need. Learn more at keystoprogress.com. This is a perfect opportunity for you to try some active listening. Unsolicited advice. All right, the National Football League doesn't need any advice from me, but I'm going to give it to them anyway. At the beginning of this hour, you heard Diana Rossini explaining all the circumstances involving the Las Vegas Raiders. Again, in a nutshell, Trent Brown, their offensive lineman, tests positive for the coronavirus, and they subsequently investigate and determine that he wasn't wearing the tracking bracelet that these guys are supposed to have on all the time, which makes the tracing easier to do, which means that they have to quarantine the rest of their offensive line, which means that the game on Sunday is... um, is now hanging in the balance or at minimum might be played at an enormous disadvantage. They then do further investigation and figure out that the offensive linemen weren't wearing their masks at all times when they're supposed to be. And this is a team where John Gruden, the head coach, had to be fined heavily for not wearing his mask properly during a game. And at the beginning of the season, many of the players on that team went to a charity event and were seen very publicly indoors without masks. This is not a conversation about how seriously you do or should take the coronavirus. I have extremely strong thoughts on those, but they aren't the subject of this discussion. The subject of this discussion is the impact the coronavirus is having on the National Football League and all sports. This is a season in which fairness is not the first priority. It's not even on the first page of priorities. The only priority is getting the games played and getting to the finish line. And everyone should have that as their goal because everyone's billions of dollars are at stake. So, My unsolicited advice for the National Football League is, if all the things that I'm being told are true, which is to say that what Diana just reported for us is true, that these players weren't wearing their masks when they're supposed to, that the player wasn't wearing his tracking bracelet when he was supposed to, again, with the history of this not being a first problem that we have with the Raiders, if those facts are as they have been presented to me, I think the NFL has to make an example of the Raiders. Make an example of this team. 
And there's only one way to hit them that matters. I'm not talking about fines. Fines are meaningless. You can't find a a professional football team enough money that it makes any real difference. And I'm not talking about forfeiture. Forfeiting an NFL game doesn't actually wind up benefiting anyone. It hurts the team that loses a little, but it hurts the team that wins too. And it creates a lot of completely innocent victims. Because when an NFL game is not played, everyone suffers for it. So I do not believe that they should forfeit this game. They should probably consider rescheduling it if they have to, which creates a lot of inconvenience for a lot of people and is unfair for everyone involved. Again, fair is not the the first priority. But we have to make sure that everyone understands how seriously these need to be taken. So I believe the National Football League should take a draft pick away from the Raiders. Make an example of this. These are the rules, and they are to be taken seriously. And if teams are not going to be taken seriously, there are going to be consequences. They investigated Tennessee closely. And from everything I understand, look, I follow this stuff as closely as I can. I talk to all the people. I obviously don't have every bit of information. But it is my understanding that what they discovered was that in Tennessee, things were not nearly as haphazard. Were not nearly the, the protocols were not nearly violated to the extent that had been suggested. But this stuff seems to me to be pretty cut and dry. I've seen video of the Raiders players at the beginning of the season without masks at a charity event. I, we, we saw John Gruden on the sideline without the mask. So these are not reports. These are things that clearly happened. And if it is true that these guys weren't wearing their masks and this player didn't have his tracking bracelet and that's creating all these other problems, then the only way that you can send a message to the Raiders and every other team in the NFL that this has to be taken more seriously is by doing something that will matter. Take away a draft pick. So when I said that to my staff earlier, they said to me, what pick? If you take away a first-round pick, that would really send shockwaves through the league. To me, that at this stage would be too much. But I think what you do is you you take away a third-round pick, which these teams do take very seriously, with a threat that if they're, they're going to be monitored closely and that that can be changed and that any further violations of the rules could turn into a second pick, second round pick, and that it's not off the table that we work our way all the way to round one. That's these teams' lifeblood. And you got to hint where it matters. And it's not about punishing someone. It's about a deterrent. It's about making sure this season gets to the end. This game Sunday is very much in doubt. I know they're saying they want to play the game. I believe they want to play the game. I know they're saying they plan to play the game. But they moved it out of the night spot for a reason, because it is very much on the table now that they can't play this game Sunday and they can't find themselves in a situation where they have a Sunday night primetime window that for NBC has been the number one television show on network television for the last whatever it is, 15 years. And now we don't have a game to put on. They had to flip the games for that reason. That's the only reason, which means there is a chance. They know there's a chance this game doesn't get played. There have to be significant deterrents in place. It's not about punishing the Raiders as much as it is about sending a message that these protocols have to be taken incredibly seriously or we are not going to make it to the finish line. I don't want to see any more of it than that. I'm not sitting here saying I'm mad. I'm sitting here saying I want this season to go. I want them to make it. I want them to get through this thing. This is about to get a lot worse. As the weather gets colder, we're going to have much more of this, not less. And if teams are not taking these protocols as seriously as is conceivably possible, I'm telling you right now, it is no guarantee they get to the end of this season. So I believe a message has to be sent 
by the NFL. That is my unsolicited advice. Again, they don't need advice from me, but I'm happy to offer it anyway. Greeny with you, presented by Progressive Insurance. My guests on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line. So much to do. All right, coming up next, I am going to pick for you the winners of the three biggest games of this NFL weekend. Greeny, the podcast. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Greeny with you. Half past the hour as we work our way towards the weekend. It's a football Friday on ESPN Radio with Game 3 of the World Series on the schedule for tonight. And again, you will hear that game right here on ESPN Radio. It's the pitching matchup we've been waiting for. Charlie Morton and Walker Bueller should be fun to watch tonight. But there are a lot of really good games on the NFL schedule. Not the greatest weekend of games, but I have identified three games I am very comfortable picking for you here. And let us start in the NFC East. Bubba, give me my first game. Number three, Dallas at Washington. All right, here's the deal, Cowboys. If you can't find a way to take care of business this weekend, then they really do need to blow it up. Then Jerry really does need to walk down from those offices he has upstairs in that beautiful training complex that you guys have, and he needs to just start throwing people out the door. This is where you prove, Cowboys, that you have a season to fight for. This is where you prove that you're not about anonymous quotes, that you're not about complaining about the coaching staff, that you're not about complaining about injuries, that you're not sulking because you've lost your starting quarterback, but that you are a football team to be taken seriously. It's a divisional game, a game that you absolutely should win. There's no other way to say this. The Washington football team is a bad football team. They're bad. They are strong in one area, and that is their defensive line, where they have all these pass rushers. And they might get after the quarterback. They might get after Andy Dalton. And obviously, offensive line is a continued point of issue for the Cowboys. I just saw a note this morning that Zach Martin, not this morning, but just minutes ago, I think, that Zach Martin was officially ruled out for this weekend. So the Cowboys have no offensive linemen healthy for this game. They have absolutely everything in the world working against them. So this is where they prove what they are. If you want to be America's team, if you want to matter for the rest of this season, Zeke Elliott, you find a way this weekend. Kyle Vander Esch, Jalen Smith, you find a way this weekend. C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup, you find a way. This is a winnable game. And if you don't win this weekend, I'm not sure where we're going to find wins. The Eagles are going to find a way to win games. The Eagles are going to run away with this division if you're not careful. So I believe Dallas will rise to the occasion. I'm seeing our analytics like Washington this weekend. I don't. I've got Dallas 23, Washington 22. Cowboys keep their season alive 
and stay ahead of the Eagles in the NFC least. Bubba, give me my next game. Number two, 49ers and Patriots. Now, this is a fascinating game. This is Jimmy G coming back to Foxborough to take on Bill Belichick and all of the speculation that that was the quarterback that Bill really wanted years ago instead of keeping Brady around. None of that really matters much anymore, except it does add another level of intrigue to this game. But for me, all eyes are on the New England offense and Cam Newton. For the first couple of weeks of this season, we were, and I don't just mean me, lots of us, were talking about how creative that offense looks. Oh, the combination of Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels, the, the, the creative geniuses working in the, in the laboratory coming up with stuff that they can use and the extraordinary skill set of Cam Newton, Superman, looking like MVP-level Cam. And then that went away. They played a very, very moribund week three game against Miami, and then Cam got the coronavirus, and they had to play Kansas City without him, and then they had to wait a week to play a game against Denver, and they came back, and Cam looked rusty, and the whole team looked terrible, and the weapons looked just as bad as they ever did before, and they look awful in a game last weekend against Denver, in which their best offensive play was one in which Cam Newton caught a pass. I'm here to tell you that that doesn't happen again. Bill Belichick doesn't let that happen again. And Cam Newton will be great. I believe that last week, some things are excuses and others are reasons. I believe the time that Cam missed was the reason that they looked the way they looked last weekend. I think they will bounce back in a big way. I think he will look better, they will look better, and the Patriots will win this game and look again like the team that is going to win the AFC East. I have New England 27, San Francisco 16 in Foxborough Sunday. Bubba, one more. Number one, Steelers and Titans. It's probably the best game of the season so far. It's only the eighth time ever. This stat really surprised me. In fact, when it was first handed to me on Get Up earlier this week, I said to the person who handed it to me, this can't be right. Go check this. But it is. It's only the eighth time in history that teams with records this good have met this deep into a season. 5-0 or better. Only seven times before. Surprise me. Game of the year. I believe the Pittsburgh Steelers are the best team in the National Football League. I've been saying that since August. This is a defense that went 8-3 last year in games in which their offense scored at least 11 points. And Tennessee, as good as they've been, and I gave you all the numbers yesterday on how good they've been, and in particular how good their quarterback and their superstar running back have been. Their defense is not on Pittsburgh's level. I believe the Steelers will rise to the challenge of dealing with Derrick Henry. They will make Tannehill have to beat them without using the play action as his primary weapon. And I believe Tannehill is up to that challenge. I believe Tennessee plays well. I believe this is a great game. I think this is as close to a pick'em as you could possibly be. And in the end, I'm riding the experience of the Steelers in a big spot. Pittsburgh 27, Tennessee 26 in a game between two of the three big boys in the AFC. These two teams in Kansas City, in my opinion, are the three teams I could see coming out of the AFC. And from what I've seen so far, they're the only ones. And those are my picks for this weekend. Greeny with you here coming up. We'll hear from you on a couple of your thoughts as we look ahead. And I will also mention 
that another of the huge sporting events this weekend is champion versus champion at UFC 254 when Habib takes on Gaethje. That's tomorrow with a special start time of 2 p.m. Eastern time, and it's only on ESPN Plus pay-per-view. UFC 254 is exclusively available to ESPN Plus subscribers for $64.99. Visit ESPNPlus.com slash PPV for more details. I need you to listen carefully. I just want you to know. You know, I, I've been doing this a little bit here since I've come back to radio, as I have explained a few times, because this is what I've missed since I've been gone from the radio, is this opportunity just to talk directly with you like this about things that are happening with me that I, I think you'll find interesting. And so with all this talk about what's going to happen in Las Vegas and coronavirus testing, and we all understand that obviously the coronavirus is something that is on everyone's mind all the time, I just thought I would tell you, I just want you to know that it is an interesting experience. I don't know how many of people in, that are listening right now, I don't know if you've been tested for this or not. I get tested for it every week. It is a rule that to work where I work and to work the way I have to, which is to say to work in Manhattan and be unmasked, which I have to be, the rule is I have to be tested once a week. So I am tested for the coronavirus once a week. It couldn't be more convenient. They've made it incredibly easy. They bring testers into our studios. They test all of us who are on the air. It's completely non-invasive. It's a little Q-tip. Uh, it's, not, it's not the one that goes all the way up. It's not uncomfortable at all. woman comes in every week. She couldn't be more delightful, very friendly and pleasant. The whole experience is, is next to nothing. And then the next day, um, I get an email. I'm, I registered in this portal, and the next day I get an email. And you check, and, and I've taken now six tests. And each time it comes back, and you click on it, and it says not detected. But what I just want you to know is there is something, and I, I don't know if you've had this experience or not, but there is something about that moment before I touch that button that is a feeling a little bit unlike anything I've ever experienced before. It's very hard to put into words what it feels like. I'm, I'm not terrified uh, of testing positive. Obviously, like everyone else, I don't want to. Uh, I take this very, very seriously. But it's not really fear as much as it is just a feeling of anxiety unlike any that I've really ever felt somewhat uniquely differently from any one that I've ever felt before. That My finger always hovers over that button, and I never, ever do it in front of anyone. Like a couple of times it has come in. I've seen the email come in while we're doing the show the following day. We get tested on Tuesdays, so I will see it come in on a Wednesday. And Wednesdays for us on Get Up are incredibly crazy days because that's Culture Wednesday. So that's Ryan Clark and Dominique Foxworth, and I'm doing everything I can just to keep up with those guys. Um, but I will, I will see that thing pop in, and I will always step out of the room to check it. And I just wonder if you've had that experience. Um, it, is, it is unlike anything that, that I've quite ever felt before. And so to this point, it has all worked out well. But I just thought you might find it interesting, if you've never been tested, how that works and how that experience has been. And it is that way for all of us who are working here and keeping things as safe as we conceivably can so that we can stay on the air and keep doing our shows for you and take care of ourselves in the best way we can. This is something I take very seriously. I hope you do too. And it was just something I wanted you to know and I thought you might find interesting. Next, meanwhile, it is time for your calls at 888-SAY-ESPN. That's my phone number. And I'm going to ask you one very simple question. I answered it earlier in this program. Now I'm asking you to answer it. In your opinion, this weekend in the NFL, which player is under the most pressure? Which player is under the most pressure? pressure to perform this weekend in the NFL. Tell me who it is and why. Say 888-SAY-ESPN. We'll hear from you next. Greeny on ESPN Radio. 
Greeny, the podcast. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Ah, the pressure is on, and I've been doing a lot of talking all week long, and now it is your turn on this Football Friday with me, Greeny, on ESPN Radio. Your chance to tell me the one player in the NFL you believe is under the most pressure to play big this weekend, and then explain to me why. You can give whatever reason you choose. Let's see if I buy it. Mac, you're first up. On ESPN Radio. Mac, which player is under the most pressure this weekend? Greeny, you already know I'm going to say Aaron Rodgers. He went from the best quarterback rating in the NFL to the worst last week. He is under immense pressure to get himself back on track. I know he's playing the Texans, so it may be an easy win. That doesn't mean that he's going to play any good. Could still be the beginning of the end, like I already said. All right. I, I, I mean, it's an interesting take. I don't know that I see it that way. They play Houston Trying to see, is that an, it's a one o'clock game? I mean, Houston's defense has not been great by any means. Rodgers still playing without Lazard. Is there a lot of pressure on him? I suppose there's some. I, I did earlier this morning. I did the, my top three players. That's not one of them. Let's see if we can find someone who agrees with one of mine. Next up on ESPN Radio on the Dr Pepper call in line is Bob. Go ahead, Bob. Which player is under the most pressure? Hey, Green. Fan of the show, big time. Love you and Bubba together. Thank uh, you. It's got to be Ezekiel Elliott to me. I'm a Bucks fan and a Cowboys fan, but let me tell you, no line, not his quarterback, but last week he shrunk in the moment. First time I've noticed that in his career after a couple of fumbles. The man makes nine figures not because other people make him look good. He should be making other people look good. I'm with you on that one. That's a great call. Bob, I totally agree with that one. I identified the top three earlier, and he was one of them. I agree with you completely. Zeke Elliott is one of the three players in the NFL under the most pressure this weekend. I actually had him at number three. By the way, Bubba, what do you think of that? He likes you and me on the show. He likes hashtag Bubba. He knows. He knows what's good. Good content. (laughs) Alan, you're next on the Dr. Pepper call in line. Which player is under the most pressure this weekend, Alan? Not even close. It's Cam Newton. First of all, they're playing Garoppolo. Um, what happened last week was an absolute disgrace. You know, we come from a city of champions. We're not used to losers. So um, uh, it's without question Cam Newton. They have to get their uh, act together and beat Garoppolo because if they don't, can you imagine what's going to go on in Boston all week? Can, very... I, um, Greeny, can I say one thing about your yeah. um, opinion on the Oakland Raiders? Yeah, go ahead real quick. Okay. I think that you're, you're right on in one, except for one thing. It's without question a number one draft pick. Three means nothing. You, you can say it's important. It's a definite number one pick because Gruden just looks at everybody and does whatever he wants. It's absolutely a number one draft pick. Okay, fair enough. I had said earlier that today that I think that the, the league needs to come down on the Raiders, and I had said take away a third-round draft pick with the possibility of it moving to second, depending on what they find. Allen wants it at number two, or excuse me, wants a number one pick. I'll take it. By the way, I like the call on Cam also. Earlier this today, I identified the top three players with pressure. I had Zeke at number three. I had Cam at number two. 
but we haven't gotten a number one yet. Let's see if we do. Cole, you're next on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. Cole, which player's under the most pressure? Oh, uh, yes, sir. What's up, Granny? Huge fan of the show, man. Uh, Thanks. I got to say it's Ben, ben Roethlisberger, by all means. He's 1-2 and two in Tennessee, coming off the sur- elbow surgery. Um, two undefeated teams, big-time matchup for sure, but he's probably going to get the most pressure because if they're truly Super Bowl contenders, you're not looking at that much time left for Ben Roethlisberger. I like it. Cole, I like the call. It's not one of the ones I had thought of. I think Roethlisberger will play great. I understand your thinking. Look, every player in the NFL that's playing a big game is to some degree under pressure. But we haven't gotten to my number one. I have 30 seconds for Ben. Go ahead, Ben, real quick on ESPN Radio. Who's under the most pressure? Hi, I think it's uh, Kyler Murray, actually, in the NFC West. Um, I think this is his weekend to try to prove his point that he may be the best player in that division. I like it. I, I see it. I think he's under pressure because Seattle's offense is so good and people will view this as a showdown between him and Russell. But that isn't who I identified. Earlier today here on ESPN Radio, I told you the three players I think are under the most pressure. Number three was Zeke Elliott. Number two was Cam Newton. And number one was Baker Mayfield. I believe Mayfield against Cincinnati and another number one overall pick in Joe Burrow, who has started better than Baker Mayfield, frankly, has ever looked. I think Mayfield is under huge pressure. If they should ever lose this game, then all the conversation about what they did sandwiched between Baltimore and Pittsburgh will cease to matter. So I think it is Mayfield, after the terrible game he had last week, and all of the attention on it, and all the attention on his team, in an in-state matchup against a number one pick, who was under the most pressure of anyone to perform this weekend. This has been a great week. Thank you so much for spending parts of it with me. Enjoy all the sports, and I'll be back in better than ever, same time, same place, Monday, right here on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can get more from Greeny live weekdays at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN News. And don't miss Greeny on Get Up every morning at 8 Eastern on ESPN. Greeny, the podcast.